Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast, Fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about learning culture. Why do you want it in your organization and what are some of the ways to achieve that in your team? Yeah, that's that's pretty important, especially in tech. Like It's such a fast-changing environment if you kind of settle down you're like okay well i've i've learned how to program i'm done learning and then you just keep on going then that's it you'll 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 be done like you never learn you never you learn never. and then you know the world will move on without you oh yeah you'll be coding java 1.6 it's forever. a terrible learning culture you're stuck on old tech yeah. nobody ever grows you, you probably you, have terrible turnover you might wonder to yourself if there's a better way but then not do anything about it. <laughs> so tech is fast. It's, uh, it's changing fast right under our feet. I mean, we can definitely talk about how there's a new JavaScript framework every three months. And some of them are better than the previous one. And why you want to learn that one. And what are the pros and cons and yeah. whatnot. And, you know, you don't want to be stuck maintaining something like Backbone. Right. For example, or like why why did they create this new const thing? Why do I even need that? I I just have vars everywhere. I don't need them. No, you I do. I don't need const. You do. You definitely do. Okay. And I think that like the more your team is learning, and the more up to date the technology is, the better it is for the organization to move forward with like faster technology and be able to implement these new features that the organization may ask. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you have a learning culture, whether you know it or not. Like every organization has certain norms around how they learn, right? Maybe your organization is super supportive. Maybe they're super not. Maybe everybody is walking around thinking that everybody else already knows the thing that they're supposed to know, and they're super embarrassed to ask for help. And their culture right. of learning is that you do it on your own time and you don't tell anyone. Mm. So one of an organization can have a learning culture that is don't learn on company time, but learn. Yeah, on your maybe own time. your maybe your company culture is that all learning has to be done outside of regular work hours. Right. It's like it's not an asset to the organization. It's it's a cost, like for someone to be investing in time to benefit themselves. Yeah, the kind of company that only hires people who already know everything that they could possibly need to know in order to do the job. And then that person has no room for growth because what else are they going to learn on the job? Because it's the one thing that they now know or the many things that they know and they don't plan on learning anything else. They're so perfectly qualified that it's going to be incredibly boring for Where them. Where do you even find that person? <laughs> like, how, <laughs> It must be such a challenge for recruiting to find the person who knows exactly everything that, you know who had exactly the pre same previous job and just you just take that person out of the previous job and you put them in a new job and they never learned anything new. And then as soon as their job changes and they have to know something different, all of a sudden they are given no support because they were hired to know everything that they needed to do to do to do their job. Well, mm -hmm. and then they just quit and they find the exact same job somewhere else. <laughs> I don't think this is a real scenario. This, this person's very hypothetical. Yeah. Or a COBOL developer, because <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, just be a COBOL developer, make billions. But there are, there's just technologies constantly moving, and, and we 
as developers need to make sure that we move forward with the time unless we choose to stay behind. And that could be very detrimental to your career path in the long run. I've, I found that when I'm learning like a new language or a new framework that it expands the way that I think about particular problems because of the way that I've solved them a previous time before. Yeah, that's true. And I, I've definitely had that experience as well where you, you learn a new language or uh, what have you and the way that you approach that problem is different there and you bring it back to where you're where you're at right now and you tell other people about it and it's it's uh contagious yeah i think one of the things that's necessary for an organization to have a strong learning culture is individuals who are motivated to learn because we know as developers that we need to move forward with technology, as we mentioned before. So we're motivated to try and keep up with the pace. What, is, what are some of the components that lead to motivation to that in the first place? Autonomy, mastery, purpose, right? That's the model for motivation. I yeah. think, you know, you have, to, you have to have enough autonomy to be able to experiment for yourself and not just be implementing the wishes of someone else. And you have to believe that there's a reason for doing what it is that you're doing. There is a purpose that it's worth doing. But I think the thing that's most relevant for this topic would be mastery. Like, you have to have a path to mastery. Work is only interesting at the edge of our knowledge. You know, it's like if you have to implement yet another CSS tweak on the same page day after day after day, it's going to get boring because it's too easy. You're not progressing. You're not mastering anything. And that's where I think that culture of learning comes in. You have to be able to give people the opportunity to do work that is just outside their reach, something that's going to push them, that's going to make them grow. And, you know, a consequence of that is that they're not going to do it as well as the thing that they already have done a thousand times. And it's worth it, even though you're going to get slightly lower quality output out of them, because they're going to be more motivated and you're going to hang on to them for longer. And eventually, they're going to become so experienced that they're able to do really advanced things. Yeah, I agree. I think that for someone to slowly learn something and get better at those skills, when it's technology that's like bleeding edge or like necessary in the organization and allowing that person to learn from that experience will lead to a invaluable contributor to your code base. Yeah, I think it also it's important for people to have some flexibility in terms of what kind of work they're going to do, you know. So maybe you hire a UX designer because they've come up with, they came up with the mockups that were used for, you know, your competitor company. Let's say you're a sandwich delivery platform and they came from the number one sandwich delivery platform out there. They did an amazing design job and you are hoping they're going to do literally the exact same thing for your company. But it turns out that your customers actually don't want sandwiches. They want hot dogs. Uh -oh. And what you really need is for your UX designer to start doing some user interviews and figure out what it is that we really need to build for them. And, you know, if you expect your, U your UX designer to already have those skills and you don't give them the room to grow into the position, you force them to learn how to do that in their spare time. They're going to do the minimum amount of learning necessary and they're probably going to burn out and be unhappy because right. you're not you're not creating a culture of learning that's not a, a environment that is 
welcoming to beginners who are learning how to do a thing for the first time. And it's a shame because... Bobby had already made a number one sandwich platform. Who's to say that he can also, he or she can, you know, create the number one hot dog platform. But the, you know? the thing that confuses me a little bit here is like, aren't sandwiches and hot dogs? Oh, no, the let's, same? Not, let's <laughs> not. We cannot start this debate, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're going to have to take that offline on the recording. <laughs> Uh, a hot hole, dog is not a sandwich. Rabbit hole after hours. The user interface <laughs> aspects are completely different. <laughs> yeah. So how can how can we? Uh, what, what are some other ways that we might be able to introduce like a learning culture into an organization? I think it needs to be established in the organization that people will learn and people will fail by learning. Like that yeah. is just like the number one thing. I think we've mentioned it before. We had a whole episode, Toast to Failures, which I find 39. Yeah, which I find very helpful when learning because it gives me the opportunity to learn things and everyone's aware that we're gonna fail along the way. And yeah. we can we can observe some of those failures and learn from them and then be able to express that to the entire organization so that they also learn from that. It's yeah. pretty pretty cool. That that kind of goes with what William was saying before about learning best at the edge of your ability, right? Which is where you're going to fail more often. If you're if you're very comfortable, then like you're not going to fail, and you're going to be able to be proficient at that one thing. But you're not going to be growing, and uh, you might just become stagnant. It reminds me of a story that I heard. There was this guy. I think he was working at one of these big CDNs. And, you know, he, he was working on caching solutions that were being used for some of the biggest websites in the world with the most tra traffic in the world. You know, it was some, you know, all the top news sites were being, were, were using this cache. I don't know if it was CNN or MSNBC or, you know, one of these really big players, a lot of these really big players. And he broke, he broke everything. It was a massive outage. The site was down and, and the company lost, you know, millions of dollars and clients left over it. It was a disaster. Yikes. God. And what he did was, well, obviously first he fixed it, but then at the next company meeting, he did a presentation in front of the entire company and he walked through slide by slide and said, here is exactly how much money we lost. Here are exactly how many clients we lost over it. Here's exactly how long we were out for. And here's exactly what caused the bug. Here's, you know, the change that was made. Here's what it was intended to do. Here's what it actually did. Here's how we fixed it. And most importantly, here's what I learned from it. Right. And I want everybody in this whole company to have that same learning. Right. And that is a powerful thing. And, right. and, he's, and this person still had the job to be able to give this presentation. So you can only imagine the trust that the organization had for this person, even after it cost millions of dollars. Like, that's insane. And you can, you can imagine signal. that guy is going to be like a lot less likely to make a mistake like that, too. Like, he, he's going to be very careful and more aware of the limitations of the system. Yeah, can you imagine firing somebody who has that kind of knowledge now? That was an incredibly expensive lesson. Keep that person, my God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, tools like that, toasting to failures, doing retros or postmodems in the same vein. I think those those are all like good ways to share learnings uh, that lead to 
growth as an organization as well as a person. I think it's I think, I think it's also important to hire at many different levels of experience. So that way, not only do people have opportunities to learn themselves, like in a self-directed way, but they can also learn by teaching. Because like I feel like that's a way that people tend to really crystallize what knowledge they have and identify exactly what gaps are there and find a, a true path to mastery. Yeah, I definitely find that when I'm when I have to teach someone, it like if I was iffy about something and then had to teach someone, if I didn't completely know that particular topic, I would go and make sure that I'm sharing the right information and it it solidifies the fact that I know this thing. Right. It's like why why are you asking me to teach you this? I'm not an expert, but then like when in the process of like doing your due diligence, you often end up becoming an expert. Yeah. I think one of the things we had mentioned before in time is also a culture that has like the opportunity for developers and other individuals to attend or have lunch and learns. We mentioned this many times before that it's a great opportunity for people to showcase some of the things that they've learned, whether it's on their off time or with the work that they're currently doing to to spread the information of the things that they've learned. I think one thing that I've seen before that works very well is not calling it a lunch and learn, but particular place I've worked at called it an open mic. So it, it lends to people just wanting to share something. Like it's not a full-blown discussion or PowerPoint presentation about, say, GraphQL, but it could literally be, hey, I learned something. I learned this command in RSpec that I want to share. And I think everyone should like learn from this or we should have a discussion about this one thing. Right. It'd be very small or it could be very big. And I think the open mic calls to any size of learning for your team. Yeah. That's cool. So you can just walk up to the open mic and talk for two minutes. Yeah. Like it can be, you can sign up for it. You sign up and then you can say how many minutes, roughly what it is. If there is no discussion, yeah, you'd be like, hey, I like to share something that I saw recently. Boom. And then you can, you have the time to do that, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like even a junior developer can become enough of an expert in something that they can share something in two minutes that is insightful and helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, it's really cool. And and just and it could like I mentioned before, it could be you learn this one thing in our spec. And I want to share this one thing that I learned. And and I want to let and you know, funny enough, like oftentimes you may not have known that that was a thing that you could do and you'd learn something in the two minutes too. Nice. So Mike, if I wanted to start up an open mic at, at my company right now what's the overhead in that like how how much time do we have to set aside and who has to organize it and all that well i've seen what i've seen work is it could be an individual or a group of people a group of people where in the event that one person is out another person can take over for a particular time you can choose the iteration whether it's bi-weekly or weekly if you can find the room that can fit the amount of developers that in your organization or your squad can fit into this room and just like send out the, an email to the individuals who say, Hey, we have an open mic on Friday at uh, two to three or, or brown bag lunch, right? Like come mm -hmm. through at 12 and bring your own lunch. And we're going to talk about 
these things. You can sign up here or you can just ask to talk on the microphone. And I think that what's really cool about it is that like oftentimes, even if you're if there's no topics, the developers are all in that room and they can still share information. Like, oh yeah, I'm working on the oh, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on this thing, this feature. Mm, okay. And then, like you can like cross-pollinate information or like stuff that people are working on if they're not in the same squad as you or they're in a completely different team. But having those people in the one room will spark a conversation that someone may have learned and then everyone can learn from the conversation itself. Cool. Yeah, this doesn't that sounds pretty easy actually. Yeah, it's just like scheduling it, finding a room, brown bag, or if your company allows buying pizza, that's always a, a plus. People show up for pizza. <laughs> People will show up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's like that's one way, and it's like kind of formal, but I, I think also like something that is good to be stressed from from all levels of the company is maybe uh, you know the fact that learning doesn't have to be something that you have to set aside time for. Like we we talked about this a little bit before about like learning from failure, but like just the idea that you should be continually investing in yourself and 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 learning and like even if you're just googling things like that's still learning right and uh, that's something that's awesome and should be celebrated i think like if the organization allows i've like i've heard places that have like 20 percent time or set time for individuals to learn professionally like uh professional development for example is one um, is a great way to use that opportunity to to learn and grow, and you know you you may learn something that is completely outside of your like tech stack or something that's relevant to the stack that you currently have in the organization. But when you come back, you learn something new and it's refreshing. And uh, coming back to the code base feels nicer. It's like almost taking a break from what you currently know to learn something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think twenty percent time has been a bit maligned because it didn't really work out so well, at least for Google. From what I hear, uh, people don't really take 20% time anymore. And the reason is because it didn't really produce a lot of stuff of value. And I think one thing that can help there is just rebranding it and putting some structure around it. Right. Like I've also heard it called investment time, but it's still, you know, 20% of your time. And the rule is that you have to be investing in yourself or the company in a meaningful way. And that, I think, is a much more useful approach. You're, you're specifying that there, there needs to be some kind of a, an outcome. Yeah, and it's just like, like oh, I'm going to take this time to learn something completely different. Or like, if it's useful to what you do in the workplace, I think it's a pro- important to invest in that. Yeah, it's an investment. It's gonna. There's gonna be a payoff. Right. Either the individual is going to be a better developer or a better employee, or they're gonna leave the organization better equipped for the organization's needs. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I like how it kind of has like a, a very strong like businessy case to it. It's an investment, of course. If you have extra time, then you invest it, and then you know you'll get something back. Dividends. Which is money. Yeah. <laughs> Piles of money. I've seen another thing that's really cool is where like people will work on some open source stuff after hours and you can work with a group of people and it could be different projects all together, but working together on something new could be very fun. Uh, I would just be cautious about burnout if you're constantly working and then you have, you're obsessed with open sourcing as well and you spend a lot of hours programming, you could burn out. So you might want to be careful with that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Although sometimes like you might be able to set aside like a monthly or quarterly time where people can across the company can do that as a group right during the day and have a mini hackathon try and come up with ideas that will benefit the company or contribute to open source or what have you i worked at a company where they had a lab week it was one entire week where you know people would just like a hackathon pitch an idea in the beginning get selected in some way and then have the entire week to work on building out their thing and then presenting it at the end I had a coworker who was frustrated with how long they had to wait for an elevator. And so they ended up building a program that would input the camera feed from the elevator to estimate how many people were in it. And then if the elevator was full, it would just skip floors. Whoa, that's awesome. What? In the building? In the building. Wow. That's awesome. So, you know, like the elevator knows, all right, just go straight down, let these people... Don't bother stopping because nobody knew it's going to fit into this elevator. Right. Well, efficiency. Machine learning, man. <laughs> that's like the classic interview problem, right? <laughs> that, that that person probably would have a really knock it out of the park answer for that interview problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy. I just use cameras and machine learning. There you go. Done. Yeah, I think the the no rules hackathon, as uh, William mentioned, is pretty cool to have it available in your organization so that people can come up with really interesting projects, such as express elevators when the elevator is packed. <laughs> and yeah. now you have expertise in your company in machine learning. Yeah, nice. Which yeah. is the new hotness. <laughs> and I, I think a theme that's kind of emerging here is that there's a lot of different options that you have. And there's no real one strong way or a best way to do it, but people learn in different ways. So it's good to have a basket of options and just encourage people to uh, do whatever works for them because everyone has different learning styles. So some people might be horrified by doing a hackathon. They find it to be like a waste of time or really exhausting, but you know, having some investment time to work on a project that's going to be, longer live they might be more invested in that or what have you diversify yeah <laughs> financial <laughs> it's all about the financial metaphors bye 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 exponential growth <laughs> hockey sticks of knowledge of knowledge yeah i think there are many different opportunities for your organization to adopt this learning culture and there are extreme benefits when your organization does. It cultivates developers to learn new things, whether it's something that will be beneficial to the organization directly or indirectly. Like an example would be trying to figure out a framework that would work better to the features that you're currently building or you know, figuring out what it takes to make the elevator run express and then learning how to use machine learning to your advantage and then trying to use that in your organization as well as another way. So that might help the organization indirectly yeah. in that aspect. And I think it's pretty cool that in any, as long as you're learning and you're staying up to date with technology, you will definitely be beneficial to the organization and the organization should adopt those learning practices. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. 
Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.